When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome back to The Prospect Interview where we speak to the brightest minds of today and talk about the ideas that matter in politics, arts and society. I'm Rebecca Liu, Assistant Editor of Prospect Magazine. Today we will be speaking to journalist Barbara Speed about the history and future of Wikipedia, the website that some dub the last best place on the internet. When it first launched 20 years ago, many were sceptical, some even highly critical, predicting that an encyclopedia that could be edited by anyone would lead to a deluge in misinformation. Now, however, as other websites are associated with the fake news crisis, Wikipedia has emerged as the rare example of a major website that attracts goodwill. Barbara investigated the history and many politics of Wikipedia for Prospect magazine, and you can read her great article on our website. She joins us to talk about the Wikipedia wars, what it really takes to be an editor of the website, and what it was like talking to Jimmy Wales. Barbara, thanks for joining us. Hi, happy to be here. Um, You begin your article on Wikipedia by saying that there are two stories that could be told about the website. Could you introduce us to what they are? Yeah, sure. It was something that really jumped out at me as I was um, kind of looking into Wikipedia. Before doing this, I was really just, you know, a user like anybody else, um, kind of, using it and feeling like should I admit to using it or is it actually a really bad source of information Um, and what really came to the fore as I was speaking to people and reading about it was that there was this kind of one school of thought that it was basically a bit of a disaster for academia for media for everybody that this source of knowledge existed that wasn't properly verified wasn't compiled by experts uh, that anybody can edit that it's kind of that by having an imperfect source of knowledge like that you're actually doing quite a bit of damage um, and meanwhile, although you have this system where anybody can edit and anybody can contribute in the nature of Silicon Valley, a lot of those people who are contributing are kind of white Western men. So you actually get the biases that you might ever have in all other institutions, but kind of magnified because there's no real correction or ability to correct against those biases. Um, and that's quite a prominent um, argument. And it's probably one that was the strongest sort of towards the beginning of, of when Wikipedia was founded. Um, but then meanwhile, you have this completely opposite interpretation, which is that it's it's kind of a brilliant thing, basically. And it's a real sign that, you know, the Internet can be a place of idealism and a sort of properly flat democracy um, where anybody can contribute, where people really do just do things for the good of mankind. You know, nobody 
it's impossible to be paid for doing a Wikipedia. They actually have quite strict rules against that um, to prevent people, you know, paying their assistance to spruce up their pages or whatever. So um, anything that's on there is on there because somebody's taken the time randomly to sit and write in massive detail about subject or sit correcting somebody else's work to the extent of, you know, tiny bits of formatting or tiny facts that are then corrected by editors, um, which is actually a very uplifting way of looking at it, really. Um, and meanwhile, there is some evidence. There was a um, study in, I think, 2005 in Nature that suggested that Wikipedia was only slightly less accurate than the online version of Encyclopedia Britannica, which obviously quite well-known uh, encyclopedia. The... <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica editors were not very happy about the study and there was quite a lot of mudslinging back and forth. But overall, there was a sort of a comparable level of accuracy on the two, which is very surprising. Um, but again, it is quite encouraging to think that actually with a lot of people working on something, you do end up with something that's reasonably accurate at the end of it. So those were the two very, yeah, the two real different interpretations of what wikipedia is and whether it's basically a good or a bad thing so i was just really interested in working out which of them was more valid um and made the most sense and there's a sense you point to in your piece too about how time has kind of made one story more in vogue than the other um especially now with so much so many other parts of the internet being quite terrible a lot of people now coming around to really embracing wikipedia um but at the same time as you say um you do write about say Jimmy Wales's early history, um, his love of libertarian philosophy. And, you know, I'm sure those early critics were not misguided in being a bit skeptical of, of this sort of anarchic vision. Um, can you tell us a bit about the founding of Wikipedia? Yeah, sure. So interestingly, um, especially interestingly, when you think about that kind of old Wikipedia is a stressful anarchy interpretation. Um, it was actually founded off the back of something called Newpedia, uh, which was started by uh, Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger as a incredibly carefully edited and sourced uh, encyclopedia. So the idea was that experts in their field would uh, write these articles, it would be very carefully vetted, there was I think a six stage verification process for each entry and then kind of months after it was founded almost no articles had been completed and Jimmy Wales actually tried to do one himself and found this whole process so off-putting and stressful and long that he was like oh, we, need ha we have to change something. So that was back in, I think, 1999. Um, yes, yeah, so it was launched in October 1999. And then within kind of the next 18 months, the two of them thought, let's, as an experiment, launch a Wikipedia, that's, uh, an encyclopedia rather, which became Wikipedia, which is entirely the opposite. So no verification. We just want to get some stuff out there because this is taking us so long. So on a completely separate website, they launched Wikipedia. It was always meant to be a side project. Um, and that was in January 2001. Um, and that immediately blew up, completely overtook Newpedia very, very quickly. And then kind of without them wanting it to be initially became the, you know, monolith that is still incredibly popular to this day. Um, interestingly, Larry Sanger then left the project not very long afterwards, kind of within a year. Um, and he has since said the inmates have taken over, like they're running the asylum, it's run by trolls, there's no proper, um, you know, checks and balances on it. Um, so he's very much a subscriber to that kind of more negative interpretation. He then launched another online Wikipedia, which again, you have to be a college, college graduate to engage with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, the fact that we probably haven't heard of it is perhaps quite telling. That's so fascinating. Um, and, and you do write in your piece about how when it was launched, there was such scepticism around the prospect of vandalism. 
So how, how frequently did that actually happen, um, both by its launch, but over time? So it does happen quite a lot. I think what one slight saving grace of Wikipedia is just that actually a lot of knowledge is by its nature quite boring. So a lot of the kind of facts where you think, oh, Wikipedia that, it's actually not really in anyone's interest to spend a lot of time trying to mess those facts up. Obviously people do as a bit of a joke, but over time uh, and quite quickly, Wikipedia introduced a few measures which make that a bit less likely. Part of which is that when an edit is created, it's noticed quite quickly by the system, whether it's A, done by somebody who's made edits before, B, if it's made by someone who's made mad edits before, and C, if it contains, you know, the word paedophile or um, other sort of red flags, which these kind of bots on Wikipedia can trawl through and pick up, and they are more likely to be flagged very quickly as being potentially, um, you know, not valid edits. Um, And then meanwhile, as you've had since the very beginning, you just have the simple fact that there are tons and tons of editors who are just looking around at all times, looking at what edits are being made. So, I mean, I made like a small edit to um, a page and kind of within a couple of hours, it had been reversed because someone said, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't important enough to be on this page, basically. Um, And again, had I done something that was, you know, deleting a whole page, for example, that would usually be picked up within a matter of minutes. So a lot of bad faith edits or silly edits are made. Um, I spoke to a researcher who did a kind of mini study on a bunch of uh, science pages specifically. Um, And what that study showed was that a controversial subject like climate change or acid rain is obviously likely to get a much higher volume of edits. And he took me through just like a couple of hours worth or a couple of days worth of edits on the acid rain page. And it is fairly incessant in that someone will like delete the whole page and stick something else up and someone else will just add a silly comment about Bugs Bunny. Someone kept changing the spelling of rain to ran repeatedly. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> um, but the thing is, as a user, even if you were checking the actual page itself a lot, you would have seen almost none of those edits because they were reversed so quickly. So I should say, so on any Wikipedia page, most of us will be used to seeing the page with the information on it. There's a several other versions of that page which anybody can see. They're less likely to look at them if they're not an editor. But there's a talk page where people can discuss edits and the kind of direction of the page. And that's where you get some quite interesting discussions about, you know, interpretation of a certain subject. It's actually, I think some lecturers are like, go and look at that page for your chosen subject of study because you'll learn quite a lot. And then also there's an edit summary page that just shows all the edits that have happened Um you know, over time, you could look back through decades of them if you want to. So again, if you were a bit suspicious about a fact on a page, you could see when it had been made, who had done it, if it was linked to a citation, if the citation was valid. So if you know your way around the pages a bit, you're in quite a good position to try and work out if what you're looking at is valid, or if it's a heavily contested page, and you're like, this looks like a bit of a mess. (laughs) I'm probably not going to get my information from here. Um, so it'd be great to get a sense of the scale of this monitoring operation. I mean, how many people are involved? Um, is it a really dedicated 24-7 always-on group of small volunteers or is it, you know, a bigger operation? Yeah, so it, what seems quite obvious over time is that there's a lot of people registered on Wikipedia. Um, and it's worth saying as well that all you need to do is literally put in a username and a password to create an account. So they, they ask very little information of their editors. It's quite a frictionless sign-up process. So you just need to do that and then you can click edit and you could type whatever you want onto a Wikipedia page, which is still remains quite kind of incredible, really. Um, But so there are, 
and this is the other quite good thing about Wikipedia that people don't necessarily know that they have huge amounts of data on all kinds of different things. And I think data is, or sort of statistics is an area where it's, it's kind of expanding in a really interesting way. It's been very useful during COVID. So there are 40 million Wikipedia accounts, um, but around 144,000 of those are actively editing. And there are a few different metrics that they use for this. Quite a common one is someone who's made kind of five edits over the last 30 days, for example. Um, so by... Um, that metric on the English language Wikipedia, which is by far the biggest one, and we can maybe talk a bit more about that, but there, there are 51,000 edits, editors who made five or more edits in December. So that's kind of the what you might call a core of people. And then within that, there'll be another much smaller core who will do loads of edits, you know, maybe hundreds. Um, and they'll be the people who are potentially watching you can they can sort of monitor or watch a certain page for example so you they can see whenever an edit is made to climate change or potentially a more controversial subject or if they're a specialist in a subject they want to see if somebody's um changing something about you know a niche scientist that they happen to know lots about um but yeah it is it is that thing of big you know there's a big pyramid of people but a very small core who do an awful lot of the work um and i think there was a study in 2017 that one percent of the editors are responsible for 77 percent of the edits and of that a lot of edits are literally changing one word or making a new paragraph or just tidying things up so not all of those edits will be creating a whole wikipedia page but there are a lot of people who just seem to really enjoy making small tweaks (laughs) which again is something that i find oddly uplifting i think it's quite a very low stakes kind of vandalism changing rain to ran yeah it is interesting i mean Yeah, (laughs) you do wonder what what was going on there. (laughs) Now, we'd like to recommend another podcast we think you'll enjoy, with reason, from the New Humanist magazine, which brings you intelligent thinking for our turbulent times. Just like this podcast, it's an interview-based show, featuring conversations with top thinkers talking in-depth about their fascinating, sometimes challenging work and ideas. One of our favourite episodes so far was a fascinating discussion with sociologist Jason Arde about Britpop, the racism of the cool Britannia era, and the nature of nostalgia. Season two is out now, with speakers like Joe Marchant on the Cosmos and Luke de Nerona on Borders. We think you'd like it just as much as we do, so look up with reason now, wherever you get your podcasts, and hit subscribe. So in terms of editing, obviously it's useful when, when it's about correcting errors or, or vandalism, um, but, but there is a more sinister or a more troubling side to the gatekeeping. Um, you mentioned you know, trying to do an edit of your own and it was completely innocuous and, and vaguely helpful, um, but you were made to feel a little bit like you didn't really belong here. Yeah, it's definitely a problem. And there's been huge amounts of discussion um, over the years around the fact that it is a huge number of men that are editing um, and it does seem to skew towards fairly young men and white men as well. Um, and it's an interesting question, partly because in a workplace, if everybody there is a white man, it's quite easy to change. Well, you'd hope it would be quite easy to change your hiring policies or look at the biases among you know, the people who are there. Whereas in a something that's totally voluntary, it's actually quite a lot more complicated as an issue because a you you aren't recruiting those people yourself and b it's actually quite hard to change volunteers behavior in the way that you could change 
hopefully a workplace's behaviour. So it is something that Wikipedia itself has really struggled with. And the Wikimedia Foundation, which is the kind of organisation that runs Wikipedia, has tried quite hard um, to do various things about this and then kind of by their own admission totally failed. Um, that they kind of said, right, we want to get to, I think, a quarter of female editors by a certain year. And then they had to come out and be like, nope, we have not managed it. Um, so it is... And part of this is this kind of gatekeeping. The the sort of best guess we have about this is that it really is a bit of a club. And until quite recently, quite a lot of Wikipedia pages, when you went into edit, what you would be faced with is kind of what looked a bit like code. So editing on there was quite difficult. And I spoke to one editor and he does quite a lot of techie stuff and can, in fact, code, I think. And he said even I found it quite difficult wading through and working out how to do it. I mean, you could say maybe it's a good thing that there is a slight barrier to entry (laughs) before you can just go on, because now it's called a visual editor. So it's actually really nice to use. And what you're typing into quite literally looks like the Wikipedia page on almost all entries now. And that partly that was actually an effort to try and make it easier um, for people to just hop on and and try it out. And when I spoke to Jimmy Wales, he actually said that he hoped that change to the visual text editor would actually have more of an impact than it has. And so they're still trying to work out right okay so it's not that that might have made a bit of a difference but what's the next thing that's going to make a bit of a difference so um the visual editor is just to clarify this is compared to the code editor where you just look at website code effectively yeah so and and trying to make that the norm across all pages this visual editor is much more easy to use system um part of their motivation for that was a sort of accessibility question um and but again, it hasn't, that hasn't cracked it either. So I do keep coming back to that experience of, well, I'll have a go at this. I am interested. It sounds like a brilliant thing to do. Maybe I do know a bit about this subject. And we do know from surveys that women are less likely to think that they're qualified for something that they're very well qualified for, for in the first place. So even as they're arriving at Wikipedia, they probably have a lower sense of confidence. So if they're batted back quite quickly and also like anything it it is there is you know a clear way that wikipedia is written there are quite a lot of rules and norms that you do need to get your head around so it's kind of predictable that you wouldn't be good at it immediately but i think that the the kind of quite blunt responses um and also the i think wikipedians not to generalize but there are some who are not bothered that it's a very white male thing and they're not very interested in efforts for that to change. But you also speak to some case studies of some women who have gotten really involved in editing. Um, What have their experiences been? Yeah, quite varied, which I found quite interesting. What I found was that, um, so a woman I spoke to who's done kind of a bit less editing and stuff she's focused on has been quite esoteric and, you know, some of it was a bit of history, some was food, culture, so she, she improved the entry about the Szechuan pepper. Um, and she said she had quite a good experience, really, in that she um, really just, she kind of wrapped her head around it, did it. And be- possibly because those aren't super controversial pages, um, she had quite a positive time. Um, meanwhile, I spoke to Dr. Jess Wade, who's um, a massively prolific Wikipedia editor, and she speaks a lot about Wikipedia in the press. And I should say she is very positive about Wikipedia. She loves it. Um, and she's really kind of a bit of a trailblazer in terms of changing some of this cultural stuff but what she says is that there is a bit of a a pushback that she notices especially with what she's doing which is trying to up the number of female kind of women in stem who are on there and so she's adding pages for people who are kind of not super well known wikipedia has something called notoriety criteria which is that basically someone has to be you know has to hit a certain level of prestige before they can be on the site so in that sense it's already going to be magnifying the sort of 
lack of fairness in the world at large where women aren't recognised for stuff. So she's trying to walk that line in that she's actually not, as far as I know, pushing to change those criteria, but she's keeping an eagle eye out for, right, this woman's been nominated for an award, brilliant, let's get her a page because that's going to push her up onto the level. But she had comments from people that were like, you're diluting Wikipedia, you're ruining Wikipedia, which is a bit of a joke. Like, There's no limit on the number of pages that can be on Wikipedia, but she kind of said it does kind of get her down really and that it it kind of takes a bit of motivation to push through that and be like no this is important they are worthy of recognition too um and so i think that even someone who's such a big fan and does so much on wikipedia still feels that i think is a sign that it, it is really still quite a big problem absolutely and moving away from from the western world um when you did talk to jimmy wales for the piece he he did mention that he sees you know, we've had 20 years of, of Wikipedia. Then over the next 20 years, the most exciting things will not happen on the English language website. So what are their plans there? Wikipedia and the Wikimedia Foundation, they're very aware of the sort of Western skew. So I think just over two thirds of contributors are in America and the UK, which is a lot, but it goes without saying the world's population does not uh, broke down in that way. So his what he said was if you're a user of the English Wikipedia, the next 20 years, the big changes, they're not going to be something you're going to see necessarily because what we want to be doing is increasing the number of contributions from around the world. And specifically, he talked about the kind of technological limitations of of people who are in developing countries who might have, for example, very good access to mobile phones, but not to internet, broadband, Wi-Fi. So is there a way of making it easier um, for that information to be you know, downloaded or... Over, you know done over 3g or whatever we obviously take for advantage take advantage of how we obviously take for granted the fact that we have wi-fi broadband 4g in the uk but that's not necessarily the case um so it does sound like uh something they're interested i haven't heard any kind of specific plans in this area but i think it is quite a good instinct of thinking the value of having this free information is actually even higher in countries where getting up-to-date textbooks is an issue or you know equally some of the drawbacks of getting you know the incorrect information can actually be even worse if there's not a way of verifying it but if you do think that the information itself is some kind of overall good getting it out to more people does seem like a good priority to have. So you mentioned earlier Larry Sanger has very much turned his back on the site but it does sound like Jimmy Wales is very much invested in Wikipedia and where it can go in the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think he does have a real idealism about it. And he obviously just like loves using it. Um, like he was telling me about things he's been looking up. He got really into Ebola a few years ago. Um, and he really, I think he does use it as a user, like you or I, which is a, is a good recommendation. You know, he'll log on and be like, what can I find out about this? Um, and I think he does have an, a real affection for that kind of knowing a bit about everything approach that just because something's not your your area there's no reason you can't go and read something and get up to speed on it very quickly. And I have to say, even real Wikipedia critics will often admit that if you just need to get a sense of something quite quickly, there's almost no better way that I can think of to do it, apart from potentially calling an expert and being like, explain this to me like I'm five or whatever, um, which not everyone has access to. So especially if you come at it with a sort of pinch of salt and that you think if I'm going to repeat these facts elsewhere I might need to double check them to get a set and, and as I said with on that talk page if you want to know what are the areas within a subject that are contested or that are you know what's the next direction for this or what are the arguments it's quite a good place to find out that as well which actually as a journalist <laughs> can be very useful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so finally, last question. Let's let's return to the dichotomy you set up at the beginning um, of Wikipedia as anarchic mess or 
as um, I think in the headline uh, that we chose for your article, The Last Bastion of Idealism on the Internet. Um, did you, which side were you on before you wrote the article and, and did your opinion change as, as you researched and wrote it? Yeah, I was probably fairly ambivalent when I started. Um, I think I was someone who'd kind of use it, but just didn't think that much of it. I think for a lot of us, it's almost part of the furniture 20 years on. Um, and the fact, you know, it kind of has quite a boring user experience and, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's the equally, it's not stealing our data. So you just be like, oh, that's just going on over there. But as you look at it more closely, I think you mentioned earlier that it's almost that everybody else started doing worse and worse stuff on the internet, right? So even if when it was founded, Wikipedia wasn't, you know, perfect or the best or whatever, actually as the internet's got a lot worse, it's kind of come into its own and it hasn't really changed very much. It doesn't collect users' data you know, nobody is making loads of money off Wikipedia um, in that it is a charitable foundation. They do um, rounds of fundraising every year, but that is literally just going into Wikimedia's projects, which generally are pretty good. They are trying to improve access for people or trying to do editathons, which is a way of getting women along to an event or other minoritized people and getting them to edit and trying to overcome that kind of gatekeeping issue that we talked about Um and just by contrast to any of the other tech giants, I mean, I don't even know if you would call Wikipedia a tech giant, but in terms of its page views, it is right up there. Um, and so there is something fundamentally ideologically different about it. And I think it's quite hard not to see that ideology as a positive one, even if all of its manifestations aren't always good. And there are things, the problem with having a total you know, free-for-all is that it's a free-for-all, right? But equally, you can't stop it being a free-for-all because then it would lose the good thing about it. So the good and the bad things about it, I think, are two sides of the same coin. But I would much rather it existed than it didn't, you know? So you also need to have academic papers and encyclopedias, but within that within that I think it's brilliant that Wikipedia exists and I think I just I just can't really believe that people spend so much time doing it I think the actions of individual editors is kind of the most uplifting thing about it that people just care about information being right and information being available to people um and actually in a in an era of kind of fake news and everyone's selfish and an individual and no one cares about anybody else it's a real counter to that um which is useful to have I think yeah, you end the piece um, with this lovely anecdote about a song kind of made of sounds whenever someone makes an edit. Um, and, and it is uh, the way you can kind of see all these edits being made around the world compiled together. Uh, it's really lovely. Yes, now I would recommend going to look. I'm just seeing what they're doing now. Pentathlon, someone's edited in quite... They, like, they have different blog blodges depending on how, um, they, um, how big the edit is. So big edit to Pentathlon. Um, Getting a real-time update here. Yeah, exactly. It's now broken, so I can't see. So just just goes to show, nothing on the internet is perfect. Thanks so much, Barbara. And that's all from us. Thank you very much for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating and a review. It really does help. Goodbye, stay safe, and see you next week. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.